Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Edinburgh. So good to have you with us this morning. Uh, think, just thanks for making it out to church. It, hey, the su- I thought we didn't even have sunshine anymore. For a while, I was starting to worry. But man, sunshine, like I'm so excited. So hey, yeah, great to have you here with us. Uh, if you don't know who, my, my, who I am, excuse me, uh, my name is Joshua. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. It's just great to have you with us. Hey, I also just want to say hello to anyone joining us online as well. Couldn't make it in. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're glad to have you with us in spirit too. Uh, hey, before I go any further, I just want to make a sh- shameless plug and invite you that if you haven't considered uh, membership here at Edinburgh Church uh, and you'd like to, you'd like to learn a little bit more about who we are as a church, I just invite you, the new member class starts next Sunday uh, at, during the 9.30 hour. It's a five-week class. I would love to have you. As, I teach a class. It's a great time. We have fun. And even if you're not like, you know, I'm just not even interested in membership, but you just kind of want to look, learn a little bit more about who we are as a church, you know, kind of, you know, peek under the hood, uh, come join us. There's no pressure whatsoever. It's just a great opportunity to find out who we are as a church and where we're going. And I'd love to share that with you. So next Sunday starts at 930. You're invited. So cool. Cool. All right. Cool. Hey, uh, well, we've been in a series titled God, Can I Trust You? And uh, today we're going to look at a man in the Bible named Elijah. Now, what I love about Elijah is that it says in James 5.17 that Elijah was a man just like you and me, okay? He was a person, okay, just like us. He had all the same problems, all the same challenges, all the same stresses that we have. For example, he often wavered between great faith and great fear. He'd achieved some great accomplishment, right, only to feel worthless and low the very next day. And I think sometimes, what, what can we do? We, we, we look at these people in the Bible, and we can put them up on a pedestal, right? And we think that they, they never struggled, that they were perfect, that they can't relate to us today. And I would say, that's just not true. It's not. They made mistakes. They struggled. They were imperfect, just like you and me. Elijah is one of the most famous prophets in the Bible. He confronted this wicked king named Ahab. He killed 450 false prophets. He single-handedly saved the entire nation of Israel and turned them away from worshiping false gods. Elijah had these huge victories. So from our point of view today, when you read about him, right, it would seem silly that he was a guy that wrestled with the question, God, can I trust you? He wrestled with that. He got so depressed at one point that he wanted to end his life. Now, I raise that because I think some people think that if if you're a Christian, if you love Jesus, that you're never going to have any problems. You're never going to wrestle with feelings of depression. Friends, can I just tell you, that is so not true. It's not true. Don't think that. I could stand before and say, man, I love Jesus Christ with all my life since he saved me when I was 17 years old. And I have wrestled with anxiety and depression and and inadequacy my whole life. I have. I think what's sneaky about this is that what happens is we usually have those down moments. We usually have those moments where we feel depressed right after a really high moment. Have you ever noticed that? It's, It's really sneaky that way. I tried to think of a time in my life when I felt great about life. And I, and I thought back to when Christina and I were engaged, my wife. It was an exciting, it was an anticipatory time looking forward to being husband and wife. Man, I, could, 
I was so excited. I was high as a kite, okay? And then our wedding day came, and it was beautiful committing to each other and being with so many family and friends. And then we went on our honeymoon. We got to go to Maui, which is just a gorgeous island, if you've never been there. Beautiful. We had this amazing oceanside view from our hotel room, okay? And we got, we got to eat out, like, every day. Who doesn't love that, right? Eating out every day. And, man, we got to swim in the ocean. We got to snorkel. We got to go on a catamaran. We got to see dolphins. And then every night, we'd go back to our hotel room. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> it was an incredibly exciting time. But only a few months into our marriage, things got hard. We struggled. We struggled to find our identity as a couple. We often struggled to see eye to eye. We, we had struggled balancing family visitations and, and making sure it was fair and, and figuring out who we were. And I'm pretty sure, you know, in about two years in, I, I, I'm pretty sure Christina started to think she had made a huge mistake. And our first three years of marriage, I can just tell you, were hard. They were difficult. But by the grace of God, we got through, and we got stronger. But isn't that the way it goes sometimes, right? A month into college, after you're excited, you feel so depressed you want to quit. You marry the person of your dreams, but two years later, you feel trapped, and you wish you could get out. You finally get pregnant, and you're ecstatic, and you're so overwhelmed after your child is born, and you wonder, am I going to make it? You get promoted at work only to feel down or depressed a few weeks later. And you start to wonder if God really knows what he's doing. Is he really in control? Can I really trust him? Well, that's where Elijah comes in. That's why I want to look at the life of Elijah because I think we can learn a lot from him this morning. We're going to pick up his story in 1 Kings 18. Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who you're going to see is a real piece of work, has led Israel so far astray that they are now worshiping false gods, particularly the gods of Baal. So God raised up one person to stand up, and that was Elijah. And Elijah is called upon to bring judgment against Ahab in the form of a drought. And for the next three years with no rain, Ahab tries to find and kill Elijah. Finally, after three years of no confrontation, Elijah comes forward to confront Ahab. We're going to pick this up in verse 17. Here's what it says. <clears throat> when Ahab saw him, Elijah, he, he exclaimed, So, is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I've made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord, and you've worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now, summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal. Now, <clears throat> what happens next is one of the biggest events in the entire Bible. It's one of my favorite stories. It just is. Elijah stood in front of the entire nation of Israel and challenged their king Ahab and their 450 false prophets to a showdown. It's one guy against 450. The whole nation is watching. And he said this, okay, have your false prophets build an altar, slaughter a bull, that's the sacrifice, call in the name of your false god Baal to consume it with fire. If you fail, 
I will call on the name of the Lord God to consume the sacrifice with fire. Whomever succeeds will prove, will prove that their God is the only true God. So the 450 prophets did what he asked, and they started crying out to Baal, okay? And nothing happens. Well, of course nothing happens. He's a false god. He doesn't exist. Crickets. The Bible says they carried on for hours, and this is, they even slashed themselves with knives and just bled everywhere in this mad plea to try to, to get Baal's attention. It's gross, right? Then the Bible says this in verse 27. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. Don't you love that the Bible just doesn't pull any punches? Or maybe he's away on a trip. Hey, maybe he's asleep and needs to be awakened, man. This is Old Testament trash talking, okay? You got to love it. The Bible says they raved all day, long until evening. No reply. Then it was Elijah's turn. But before he prayed, he had the altar doused with water three times so that it was completely soaked. It even filled this trench that they had dug around the altar, absolutely filled it. Then Elijah, then, then it says this, verse 36, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately. No, no, no time lapse. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. It burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground. Have you ever been face down? Face down on the ground and cried out to the Lord. He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. No competition. The Bible says that Elijah then ordered that those 450 false prophets be seized and slaughtered, and not one of them got away. Dude, Elijah is the original brave heart. The dude is a stud, okay? He challenged the king. He called down fire. He killed the false prophets. He turned an entire nation back to God. Now, you'd think that after all that, this guy is never going to waver. He's a rock. But look at chapter 19. It says this, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Are you kidding? Seriously? He, just, he wipes out 450 prophets and then folds under a single threat. What's going on? 
But remember what the Bible says. He's, he's human, just like us, right? I've seen this happen in my own life, right? You achieve something, God answers prayer, right? Your church, your business takes off. You're feeling strong, but then you get a little criticism and you shrivel up. In fact, Elijah gets so down, okay? He gets so down about this that he runs into the desert. He sits down under a tree and look at what he says in verse 4. He says this, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He's so depressed and depleted, he doesn't even want to live. Now, let me just pause here and say, heart to heart, if you've ever struggled with depression, you're not alone. You're not alone. Even faith-filled people who God uses get anxious and depressed sometimes. You're normal. David, who's the king of Israel, he also wrote like half the Psalms. Man, he experienced long bouts of sadness and depression. Jeremiah and Isaiah, both incredibly famous prophets from the Old Testament, they both experienced seasons of just being low, down in the dumps. Friends, countless godly people in the Bible struggled with this. So please hear me. You're not alone. You're not alone. So what are we supposed to do with that? How do we deal with these feelings of down? How do we feel, deal with these feelings of feeling low and depressed? There's three things I want to share with you today that we can learn from Elijah's story. I think the first thing is you got to get rest. Get some rest. Why do we need rest? Because depletion leads to depression. Now, this is so important that you remember this. Depletion leads to depression. The problem with Elijah is that he's been battling it out with Ahab and confronting the 450 prophets, and then he's been running, okay? The guy is flat out depleted, and depletion leads to depression. You know, the other thing depletion does is it causes you to exaggerate your problems. Ever done that? I'm guilty. He gets a single threat from Jezebel, and he runs for his life. And here's what it says in verse 10. Don't, don't miss this. Here's what he says. He says, I'm the only one left, and now they, they are trying to kill me. Okay, who are the they? Who's they? It's just Jezebel. She's a nobody. But he's so tired that a single threat from a desperate housewife sends him running. He can't handle it. Now, normally, I think most of us can handle, right, the nasty Jezebels in life. And we all have them. I know we do. But when we are so exhausted, a single criticism can make you think the whole world is against you. Isn't that true? Well, the Bible says that Elijah ran into the desert, he found a tree, and he fell asleep. He fell asleep. He got rest. And after his nap, this is pretty cool, an angel came along, woke him up, gave him some food and water. And guess what? He laid down and took another nap. He, he slept some more. <clears throat> and then an angel came along and gave him more food. Because in his depleted state, when Elijah was depleted, guess what? He didn't need a seminar. He didn't need it. He didn't need a prayer meeting, okay? He didn't need to be around a bunch of people. You know what he needed? He simply needed food and rest. 
I hear people often say that they don't know what it's like to not feel tired anymore. That's a dangerous place to be. And, and if that's you, can I just encourage you, maybe you need to make some changes to turn that type of lifestyle around. Get the rest you need to stay healthy. So man, when you're feeling depleted, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling depressed, get rest. The second thing I think we need to do is get help. Humble yourself and ask for help. It's okay. Look at what he says in verse 10 again. He says, I am the what? Only one left. That's what he said. I'm the only one left. I'm all alone. The thing was, Elijah was not alone. And so God reminds him he's not alone. He says this in verse 15. He says, go back the way you came and anoint Hazael, Jehu, and Elijah to help you. Jehu will defeat any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elijah will defeat any who escape the sword of Jehu. In other words, Elijah, you're not alone. Guess what? You got three bodyguards waiting for you back at home to take up the sword and defend you and defeat the enemy. And God, he doesn't do that. He takes it a step further. Look what he says in verse 18. I got three, but I got more for you, Elijah. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. So Elijah's reminded, you got three friends and a whole army waiting for you. But when we're depressed and depleted, it can feel like what? We're all alone. Here's what I know about every one of us. We don't do well alone. We just don't. Isolation can be a bad thing. Elijah thought he was all alone, and maybe some of you feel like that today. I know we all do at times. If I could just kind of take a little bit of a rabbit trail here, I just I want to speak for a second to those of you who are, would be in high school or college age. And if you're a Christian and you plan to attend a secular campus in the, in the fall, you're currently there, I'm telling you, you will feel alone at times. Especially if you don't party hard on the weekends. Sadly, most schools in our nations today, they encourage this culture of drunkenness and immorality. That if you're not a part of, you will sit alone at home or in your dorm room. In addition, and this breaks my heart, most schools are increasingly, I'm just going to say it, intolerant of Christian faith. And that breaks my heart. If you think we are a Christian nation, we are not anymore. And because of our many students today, they go to college with their lives, I'd say pretty intact, only to come out four years later and they've lost their morality, they've lost their sobriety, and they've lost their faith. And unfortunately, this causes them to stumble into adulthood. As someone who loves you, if that's you, and I care about you, don't do that. Be strong enough and wise enough not to go along with that. Be willing to stand alone for a short season in your life so you can move into adulthood free of addiction and free of a boatload of regret. You don't have to follow the crowd. Be strong enough to stand alone. I, I can tell you, when I was a junior in high school, I made a decision to follow Christ, which meant all the friends that I was hanging with and confession, all the friends that I was partying with, they dropped me like a bad habit. 
They didn't want anything to do with me. I felt so alone. But I made a decision. I was not going to go back to that lifestyle because I had seen the dark side. I'd seen the darkness of drinking, partying, and hooking up every weekend. And I knew, God, you got something better for me. That's not the life you called me for. And God honored that, and he brought, guess what, new friends into my life. He did. He brought me to a great college that grounded me in my faith and surrounded me with incredible godly friends. Sometimes the easiest thing in the world is to just follow the crowd. But I'm telling you, no matter what your age, you can wreck your life by doing that. Be strong enough. We don't do well alone. And Elijah thought he was all alone, but he wasn't. God reminded Elijah, you got three friends and an army of 7,000 to regain his courage. And I'm telling you, you can feel very alone as a student, even in the workplace, right? But you're not alone. If you're a Christian, God, God is with you at all times. I just encourage you, man, find other believers at your school. Find other believers in your workplace. It, they're sometimes as scared and intimidated as you are. And man, stay connected to a church, either this one or a different one. I don't care. Stay plugged into a church. Seek out a small group. Hey, sometimes you, may need, you might even need to talk to a Christian counselor to help get you through a tough spot. I'm standing in front of you to tell you there have been a couple times in my life when I have felt so alone, so depleted, that what saved me from sinking was a counselor or a Christian friend who walked alongside me and encouraged me to turn around. Friends, listen to me. If you need help, ask your friends. It's okay to ask for help. Get the help you need. When we feel down, let's get rest, get help. And the third, I would just encourage us, get back in the game. Get back in the game. Elijah had this huge victory at Mount Carmel. Then he got criticized and he ran into the desert. He wanted to die. And then in chapter 19, I love this question that God asks. He says this. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah's comeback is, is a little speech. Well, God, I've been so zealous for you. I've, I've battled the false prophets. I'm the only one left. I just want to die. God asks him actually a second time. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah goes back into the same speech. He does this exact same thing. And I, I kind of chuckle because God just, God just kind of ignores him. <laughs> he just kind of ignores him. And, and, he, and he basically, in his own way, God says, look, Elijah, look, I know it's been rough. But you've had your naps. You're well fed. And I love what God says next. He says this. It says in verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came, Elijah. Get up now and get back in the game. God is saying, this isn't who you are. This isn't where you belong. Remember, you confronted Ahab. You called down fire, destroyed the false prophets. Elijah, you're my guy. Now go back. And be the person I made you to be. Now, I want to be gentle here, okay? I, I really do, because we all go through those low times when we need to rest up, and we need to get help, and we need to get healed. 
But I'm telling you, there has to be a time when, when, when we hear the voice of God, and, and often, who does it? It comes through a friend, doesn't it? It almost always comes through a friend. And that person or God, his, his, the voice will say, what are you doing here? It's time to get up. Don't stay where you are. That's not who I made you to be. Get back in the game. Remember who I made you to be. Remember what I've done in your life. Remember, I will always be faithful to you. Don't stay here. It's time to get up. Take a step back to what God has called you to do. On, uh, I find it fitting that on, on Big Game Sunday, I can't say the actual title because I think we could get sued, but anyways, on Big Game Sunday, you know what I'm talking about, I find it fitting that you hear the story of a man who achieved incredible feats in his time in the NFL. Brian Dawkins, I have a picture here, played 16 seasons in the National Football League, primarily with the Philadelphia Eagles. I know, boo, right? Regarded as one of the greatest safeties of all time, though, Dawkins was viewed as the leader of the Eagles' defense, named to nine Pro Bowls and a five-time first-team All-Pro during his career. Brian was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame in 2018. And despite all his accomplishments, all his achievements, all his highs, at his induction speech, he shared openly about his struggle with depression. I want you to watch this video. I am a blessed man of God, and the Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. The majority of success that I have had have come on the back end of pain. Pain has pushed me to levels unknown for me at the time. All I know that that was pain, but on the other side of it, all of a sudden, I became better in an area. So when we go through those situations in our lives, pain helps you develop those things that is going to take you to the next level of whatever it is the Lord has for you. Believe that. I'm a living testimony of that. See, there's a purpose for my pain. There's a purpose for my pain. As you've been listening all and you probably read all this week, I suffer from depression. I went through it mightily my rookie year. I suffered through suicidal thoughts. And I wasn't just suffering through suicidal thoughts. I was actually planning the way that I would kill myself so my wife would get the money. Not yet, not yet. But what that pain did for me, it, it, it increased my faith exponentially. I have grown leaps and bounds because of the things that I've gone through, and that's one of those things that I went through. And when I say went through, that means I came on the other side of it. So for those who are going through right now, there's hope. You do have hope. There is something on the other side of this. Don't get caught up where you are. Don't stay where you are. Keep moving. Keep pushing through. And finally, what I want to say is, thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for blessing me with the sense to understand that I did not do everything by myself. 
that you have guided me the whole way, that I've had wonderful people around me that you place in perfect positions to reach me, that you've orchestrated my life, even though my plans were to do, to do the opposite. You stand faithful to me, and you continue to push me, and you continue to pull me towards the purpose. So I thank you, Heavenly Father, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with me next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Probably the only time I'll ever clap for the Philadelphia Eagles, but... <clears throat> It doesn't matter if you're an athlete. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, if you're married, single, young, old, well-off or poor. Pain and struggle are common to everyone. And when you're going through it, it can seem like you'll never get out of it. But God is there. And when you go through it with his strength, on the other side, you'll hear God say, I'm still with you. I love you. You're my guy. You're my gal. Get up. Gather your friends. Get back in the game. Keep pushing through, right? Keep pushing. And you'll begin to see that there was a purpose for the pain after all. I love what he said. I know there are some of you here or watching online and you are flat out tired. You're exhausted and that's not a good place to be. My prayer for you is that you'll get rest. That you'll find a way to change something, to drop something. Give something up. Take a look. Because depletion leads to depression. Some of you feel very alone, even in a crowd like this. We all do at times. And I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. I think it's fitting that we <clears throat> just take, that we close our service today. We're going to segue into communion this morning. And what I, what I love about this is that we can, we can take a moment, what communion is about, it's, it's a moment for us to reflect it's a moment for us to just pause and, 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 and lift our eyes and say, thank you. Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you that even though I struggle at times, you will help me get through this. It's a time for us to remember that what Jesus Christ did on his last days, his death, his burial, and his resurrection changed history and it changes lives today and I would say to you if you're here and Jesus has changed your life I just want to encourage you to use this time of communion to say thank you thanks for what you did in my life that's what you're doing in my life because when Jesus came out of the grave this amazing thing happened. All the blessings that he promised were poured out on you. Absolutely showered on you. And one of those promises is that you will never, ever, ever be alone. God is with you in the highs and he's God is with you in the lows. And with his strength, you can get through. Amen. 
hey, we're going to pass the, the cracker and the, and the juice. And, and, and just, just to want to let you know, they're gluten-free crackers if you have an allergy. And it's, it's no alcohol. It's just grape juice. Just, just want to let you know about that. But I just want to encourage you in this time as you take the cracker and the juice. Just, and whenever you're ready, just reflect. Thank God for what he's done in your life. Thank him that you will never, ever be alone that you can get through those difficult times as we, communi- as we celebrate communion.